Hi, welcome to the Pedestrian Fest podcast. My name is Michael Amland, where we talk about whatever we want to talk about. Hey everyone, today's interview is with Gabriel Lakey and Ian Fowler, the writer and directors of the upcoming alt-noir comedy Punched After the Fact. Fowler is an accomplished Portland filmmaker, and his previous award-winning Crazy Right was released in 2017 to much acclaim. Lakey has worked with upcoming musicians like Adam Knight and Hollywood star Adrian Greiner. The two are getting close to being able to release Punch After the Fact, and we discuss how their collaboration began, the independent filmmaking process, DIY lighting and cinematography, the importance of drive, and just how overblown budgets can be for major studio releases. We also discussed their influences and what recent films they admire. I am very excited to see Punch After the Fact once it is released, and will definitely give my thoughts on the film. I really enjoyed this conversation and learned a lot. I hope you do as well. Thank you for listening. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Hey, hey, it's going well. How about you? Good. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having us on. Uh, yeah, my my buddy Ian should yeah just joined. Awesome. Yo, yo, <laughs> well, yo, what's you. up? Yeah, we have uh, Ian Fowler and Gabriel Lakey on the podcast, guys, and thank you so much for joining. Yeah, of course. Uh, pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yeah, uh, so if you guys just want to, you know, tell a little bit about yourselves and uh, punch after the fact. Yeah, um, yeah, Ian. Gabe, uh, you want to go first? <laughs> Sounds good. I will jump into it. Uh, yeah, so I'm Gabriel Lakey. I am a local filmmaker here in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I kind of got started in filmmaking in the last uh, two to three years. Uh, ironically, I kind of met Ian before my time period of starting uh, my filmmaking journey. And then uh, after, and then, yeah, yeah. So basically we, we met like my sophomore year of uh, college and we we just kind of hit it off real well and uh started working on scripts together and you know two or three years later we we came into doing uh punched after the fact that's really cool um where did you guys go to school uh well i went to portland state ian ian's got a couple years on me uh but yeah i'm the old in the whole group (laughs) Okay. <laughs> yeah, I show up to yeah. set with a walker and some orthopedic shoes. It's okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Ian, he's a he's a you know one of the more well known filmmakers I would say here in Portland, anyways. You know, excluding that the like of like Gus Van Sant or something. But uh, as far as like the indie filmmaking scene goes, uh, we actually met uh, when I was working for uh, Michael's Craft Store. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, yeah. So I, I was a uh, just working the floor, essentially. And Ian came in working on one of his uh, previous films and was looking for prop supplies. And then I was just immediately like, can I help? Right. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so with that, I got to I mean, Ian was really cool and invited me out on set. And I got to, you know, go be on my first live set around, you know, really talented, cool people uh, from the film community here in Portland. And uh, yeah, it was it was a really cool experience. Uh, but like I was saying, I was a sophomore at the time. So I was like, I need to kind of buckle down and finish college first. And then right. um uh, 
yeah, the two years of college went by and then I was just about to graduate, had a little bit of anxiety attack as a graduating college gives you just being like, what are you going to do next? And then, uh, so yeah, I hit up Ian and I was like, please tell me that you're shooting something. I'd love to come help. And no, uh, that's not how that happened. Is that not how that happened? <laughs> no. So the Michael story is uh, actually funnier than what Gabe is trying to say. Oh, it, okay. So okay. I'm in there and I'm looking at some sort of adhesive or something. And Gabe walks around the corner. He's like, hey, can I help you find something? And I was like, yeah, I'm looking to do blah, blah, blah. It's a prop for a movie. And like his mouth dropped open and his eyes got the eye, like as large as like plates. Right. And he just was like, uh, yeah, you know, I would love to help out. And he just like literally stumbled all over himself. It was great. It was it was really it was awesome what? and then gabe gabe just emailed me out of the blue and was like hey i'm getting ready to, i'm getting ready to graduate and i need to write a paper for uh one of my finals and i was like okay about me why would you do that because i'm like the smallest time filmmaker in the history of small time filmmakers and but he came over and he interviewed me and stuff like that and this is the most important thing is that about filmmaking in general and guys like Gabe or young people like Gabe that are wanting to get together and work on something is that nine times out of 10, when somebody says they want to help with something, they, you write something and then you send it to them and they like take two weeks to get back to you. And right. like 20 minutes later, Gabe's like, hey, I like this. This is really interesting. What if you did this? And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. Somebody actually like emailed immediately back. And so I sent him some more pages the next day. And he was like, oh, hey, what about this? And I like this. I like the direction this is going. And I was like, wait a minute. Why on earth is this guy like two days in a row? So literally we had like a script written in like side of like, I don't know, four weeks. Wow. Because it was just it was literally one of those things. So Gabe doesn't give himself enough credit there. Like he literally was like, I'm on it. I want to do this. This is what I want to do. And it's really super rare to find that at, at, for me personally, at my level of filmmaking, it's like, it's so rare to find anybody who has that kind of drive and, and, and a tenacity to get something accomplished. Well, that that's really cool. Um, kind of what, I guess what inspired punched after the fact or what, you know, was there something that, kind of triggered that idea or is that you know did it come from a couple of different ideas or yeah i mean ian did you want to give them a little bit of a rundown on like give them the elevator pitch for like what the oh story sure about. sure so so punched after the fact is what we lovingly refer to as a psychoanic comma drama mm -hmm. it is a psychological romantic comedy with threads of drama and thriller and uh we actually even at one point like tried making some t-shirts for it because it was just sort of funny and i was like yeah, this would be interesting, uh, but that was short-lived. And uh, but it's basically about shirt. yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. That, that you're never getting one. Uh, but uh, no, it's a it's about a down and out uh, divorce guy who uh, plunges toilets for a living and gets held up by a crazed woman who uh, he ends up falling in love with, and then uh, has to attempt to rescue her from her stalker. And I, I mean, it says alt noir. So is he, you know, does it have like the voice narration aspect or is it more? No. Okay. No, it's, it's, it's definitely, uh, and what I refer to as an alt noir instead of a more of a modern noir film, mm -hmm. uh, that 
like i mean this goes back for you know 30 years but like uh blade runner would be mm-hmm. considered a modern noir film um, right and he and even the new blade runner that didn't have as much voiceover work in it but uh point being is is that we just went the complete opposite direction we said <laughs> what are the what are the tropes that make noir and modern noir films um you know what makes them and then we just went the all the you know the opposite direction we didn't have a detective uh we don't have anybody who's like you know like our stuff we joke about stalking Mm -hmm. in the movie like oh no that's not stalking it's light stalking you know Uh, (laughs) it's more of a it's it's more of a romantic comedy but it's sort of shot like uh, a noir film and it Mm. has noir aspects with stalking and following and nighttime really cool nighttime shots uh, but and, and, you know, for the most part, it's it's definitely alternative to a noir. And our lead does uh, play detective at one point in the film uh, for, oh, sure. for a short little second. Uh, right. But but yeah, no, I would say definitely uh, the visual aspect is where the the noir feeling is definitely kind of established. Uh, mm. it, very much like you know, hard lighting on one side of the face. Very much just like. Uh, you know, it's not black and white, like classic, you know, old right. Films, but uh, it definitely, I don't know. I, I think Blade Runner is the new Blade Runner film is probably kind of a good example. Like it's really wow. dark, but it has these really big, bright flashes of light and color. Yeah. I mean, that that's a beautiful movie visually, you know, feelings aside about how you feel about the, the narrative. I, it's still, a, you know, it's a beautiful film. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have three hundred million dollars to recreate right. that but in in post production, but we do do some pretty cool uh, lighting things. Like, for example, we did a shot where our lead female character is walking down the street, and of course, we're shooting without permits, and we're just out there, and cars are driving by, That's and awesome. we got, just luckily get this yeah. parking lot has outside of a liquor store that has no cars in it whatsoever so we get all these lights in the background and everything and um i lit so gabe's shooting she's walking along and i'm literally walking about 10 feet away from her with two falcons in the air just like lighting her wow yeah and and falcons they're these small little uh just lights that uh they really pack a punch they're what the alf the falcons f7s uh yeah the 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 falcon f7 is a basically a 1200 lumen which is about like, uh, I don't know what it would, maybe a hundred watt LED light bulb, maybe. Mm. Uh, but basically you can, it has all these settings and you can control how bright or, you know, what color or if it's flashing. Like we use the Falcon for TV effect in several, uh, it has a TV setting on it. So you just pop it on the TV setting and uh, light the scene and then turn this bad boy on and it basically gives the effect that someone's watching a TV. Uh, they have, you know, 20 different settings. So they're pretty powerful lights, but I just basically walked like, I don't know. I don't, do you remember Gabe? Was it like 15 feet away from her or something like that? I just yeah. literally, I just, I just walked beside her outside of the frame of the shot, holding these Falcons in the air and lit her the entire way. It was really great. I mean, we basically shot, you know, I don't know, like a two thousand dollar scene for like a dollar fifty. It was great. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, wow. like 
you know, I wish we were sponsored by by Falcons uh, to to kind of. Get we them use them for everything. We, we literally yeah. shot four days of this uh, four days of this fifteen day shoot. We shot entirely with Falcons. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they're really really incredible, especially for the price range. I, what what are they like? Seventy five to one hundred and ten bucks, Ian. Yeah, depending on where you find them and what kind of deal and, you know, if you get discounts and stuff like that, depending, uh, I think I paid at the time I paid $107 uh, for them. And we have, we have four Falcons that we use regularly for everything. And we just, it's so easy because you have all these practical lights in a shot, but you need to actually light your actors. And so you can literally, like, I just Velcro them into spaces behind things and up and then adjust the lighting so you don't see them and they don't look unnatural and you know it's it's they're like the handiest dandiest little things in the entire world so if you want to do it you can do it basically yeah (laughs) yeah oh absolutely i mean we did all of our own sound uh Hmm. and in fact i was talking to our sound supervisor slash sound editor the other day we have uh, four lines in the entire film that need to be 80 yard. Wow. Yeah. Four lines. And that was because somehow, some way we lost, we lost some files. Either that or we could, if I wouldn't have lost the files for that particular take, uh, then I could have literally just dialogue edited it because our actors are so good. Like we, I could have just, I've already dialogue edited uh, several not several, but like two scenes, two parts of scenes, two clips. Uh, I dialogue edited and just stole dialogue coming out of the actor's mouth from different takes and fit them into his mouth in the particular take that I wanted simply because those lines had been messed up technically. Very cool. Just, so how, yeah. I mean, how far are you all in the production process? I mean, is there still more to shoot or is there... I mean, it sounds like you're maybe kind of getting towards the end of, I mean, wrapping up. I don't know. Gabe, why don't you take that? Yeah. So we are very, very close to uh, finishing the principal photography stages. Uh, I would say we're like 95% done uh, filming. Uh, What's really amazing is we got to watch the first uh, cut kind of of the entire movie just on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's some little spots where it's like insert, shot here but like of of everything that we've shot we've already gotten an hour and 30 minutes knocked out and we probably have less than 10 minutes to add and we're gonna be done i mean we have like two more days uh on the 22nd and 23rd and you know we might need one more pickup day after that um we have we have one more pickup day based on uh a shot but that's down the road it's the last it's the last shot that we're gonna do and we've already talked to the actor about it it's like yeah we're just gonna do it when we're ready to do it because it's an insert into a tv screen in the in the movie of a different movie so cool okay yeah so it's not a it's not a priority right right so yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, hopefully by the end of the m- month, uh, we'll have most of the film cut. And I mean, like we 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 really sat down on Sunday to to give it a watch through and really just like <laughs> dissect it piece for piece and try to see what stuff might need to be moved around and what stuff needed to be changed. But I mean, this is kind of an assessment or a testament to Ian's editing skills. And, um, you know, 
like with his previous films, you he has a really he's really good at pacing is I would say like Ian's number one skill is pacing. So I just find myself watching his movies, trying to dissect them and then just completely forget that I'm, you know, I have homework that I'm supposed to be trying to do. Right. Uh, And then I'll just end up watching the movie and then I'll like, you know, look at the clock and be like, okay, it looks like I need to watch this two hour movie again. (laughs) that's really cool um what's the release going to look like um oh it's uh like you know man's chinese theater down in hollywood <laughs> yeah we're, we've got uh like twenty five thousand people all lined up to come watch it nice no it's um, <laughs> we're probably gonna uh just do a, a soft release here we've got a couple of uh spots uh i was talking to a guy in london today who um maybe doing something with uh some distribution over there with some small theaters and whatnot but i don't know if that'll ever come to fruition or not but you know yeah i mean so we're, we're definitely going to try to hit the film festival film festival circuit to see you know who might want to pick us up and uh just see where we could show the film obviously and we also have some connections to uh some places in uh brooklyn and in austin texas so hopefully we'll be able to show our stuff there as well uh you know like so we we wrote uh like we wrote and raised the money for this film literally like the week before covid hit we we got the funds for it and so obviously with covid we had to kind of put everything on a like on a pause and um, it was kind of a blessing in disguise just as far as the movie goes. You know, obviously everything else about COVID sucks, but uh, right. but we really got to sit on the script and um, I got to do some awesome networking over the last year. Uh, I got to work with actor Adrian Grenier, who plays Vinny Chase on Entourage. Uh, I've like like how I also had to postpone our uh, original uh, recording date. Uh, I got to work with andrew schultz um like we got to work with or i got to work with some pretty pretty big names out there and so hopefully we'll have a pretty pretty nice release uh we'll be able to get it into you know in front of some people's eyes we'll definitely you know uh advertise and push it here as well i mean i i'm really excited about the film i was really excited you guys approached us about wanting to come on here so yeah Uh, yeah i really appreciate you guys having us i mean with just felt like it being such a small film community here in portland it was kind of like we needed to reach out to some people just to get some some fun hey game yeah uh to interrupt here what is the number one what is what is my number one rule of uh, my number one rule for young filmmakers: uh, network, 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 network. Film school is not for learning how to do something; it is for learning how to do things and making connections. Mm-hmm. You don't go to film school to learn how to make a movie. You either know how to do it or you don't. And yeah. and, and learning and being on set is the only way to ever learn how to do anything in the film business. Uh, the only reason to go to film school is for connections. That's it. Yeah. Plain and simple. And Ian's not the only person that's said that either. I mean, as far as referring to film school, I mean, I I came out of Portland state's film program and I barely, uh, 
honestly barely learned anything. I kind of came out with a critics degree rather than how to actually make movies. And um, yeah, so I mean, it's really it really is like who, you know, and I, you know, for other young filmmakers out there, it's it's more of just like you got to spend your time in the late evenings, you know, doing that studying on your own to see what you like and how just like a story comes together. But as far as like, you know, trying to actually make it in the world, as far as like being a filmmaker or being a videographer, it's it's really you just have to put yourself out there. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've actually just made connections through like we did through Instagram and stuff like that. Like just reaching out to people is something that is just too important, you know? And yeah. I think I mean, it's, yeah. You know, you hear that your networks, your net worth, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, that's 100% correct. Like, which is exactly why I'm dirt poor. Right. <laughs> Gabe, Gabe does all the social media. I have little to zero interest in it whatsoever yeah it can yeah. be a little exhausting but you gotta it def- do it you know definitely is it definitely yeah. is uh but yeah well, we so- went so when when gabe came on board and we made the like the instagram page i think we had like 50 followers based on just people that i knew that knew me uh mm-hmm. friends and a couple of people had seen my other films and stuff like that and now we have over a thousand people and that's all gabe like none of that is me at all like zero and it's just that's what it takes i mean the whole idea that you know i i at my age i just sort of like go okay whatever you know my job now is to help people like gabe who have the drive and the desire to do it to learn how to make a movie to teach them everything i know about being the engine that drives a movie because if you want to work on set that's great if you want to make movies, you have to be the engine that drives the entire thing. And you can not, you have to be tireless in your efforts. There's no, you can't ever expect anybody to load in your gear and load it out. If you're making a short film, you don't get PAs just going, Oh, I'm going to do this. And then they, you know, I'm going to do this for a week. And then they don't show up the next day. I mean, there's too many stories about, you know, underpaid PAs who don't bother showing up because really, what are they doing? They're standing around on set waiting for you to tell them to carry something heavy. And nobody wants to do that for little to no pay when you're making movies at my level. So it's like, if I have something to offer, that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, Gabe is one of those guys who just has an absolute drive and desire to make films. And, um, you know, it's like, what can I, what can I do to help him get better and, you know, he is over the last two and a half years has proven that what he wants to do more than anything is make movies. And that's that's the number one thing. you got to have that. That's really awesome. Yeah, it sounds like you guys have a real, you know, respect for each other and kind of understand how to move the engine, so to speak. So that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's been a it's been a really fun process getting to work with Ian, honestly, uh, like when we first originally wrote the script, it, uh, Ian was just going to direct the whole thing. And I kind of came into a like a co-director position with um, the work that I did over the last year. I, you know, it's again, it's all about like creating your own opportunities. So basically, I had multiple music videos that I, I were that I was working on. And uh, through one of the music videos is how we discovered the Falcon lights. 
uh, and then through another one of the music videos, I had Ian come out and uh, basically light and help me shoot. And from that, Ian, I mean, if I remember this correctly, Ian, feel free to correct me. But uh, you were just. Oh, I will. Yeah, oh, I know. I know. Oh, I will. I'll correct you <laughs> all the time. That's my job. But uh, yeah, so I mean, he just kind of saw the work that I was doing and he, I don't know if he saw something specific in my visual style or something like that about how I um, direct or just frame a scene, but uh, I don't know. He, he was very much like, well, you should, you, you're essentially co-directing. Like we just, I'll let you do all the filming and I'll do like the, the actor directing work. And then we'll just both have these two split parts of the job and really just allow both of us to give our full attention and our full mind to these individual jobs to create the best, you know, film that we possibly could. Yeah. I mean, basically the way, you know, like Gabe and I, we've had a couple of PAs who I wouldn't even say they're PAs observers, some young people who uh, wanted to be on set for a day or so, and then just observe how a film gets made at this level. And, um, and other than that, it's Gabe and I have been the literally the two people who have basically shot and staged everything from props to lights to um, finding locations, finding locations. Right. Uh, we've had a little bit of help with finding locations um, and that's it's always helpful. But the truth of the matter is, is the directing thing just came from we're the two guys who do this or who are physically and literally making this movie. There's no gaffers. There's no grips. There's, you know, we were doing a dolly scene and Gabe's on the dolly with the camera (laughs) and I'm like holding it at a particular spot and then walking down and then like slowing it down with my foot because we happen to be on this particular grade that worked perfect for the shot which is why we didn't level the dolly but it's one of those things like literally when you talk about it it's like we unload all the gear we set up everything we do there's nobody else there's two people literally making this movie besides the actors who we could not make the movie without but the point is is like there's nobody else and so when you break it down you're like yeah might as well co-direct because at the end of the day there's only two people making this movie and I can't take credit for every little thing that we do. Yeah. And I mean, we really do have to give props to our, our actors. I mean, they are just unbelievably talented. I mean, we have some specific scenes that we've, we wrote in that like that are supposed to be ridiculous uh, just for the sense of the film. And I, I wrote this specific one that kind of appears in the third act and going on to set, you know, like we shot this kind of towards the end of our filming process, too. I was just kind of like, there's no way I'm not going to just die laughing. Like there's going to be 10,000 takes of Gabe just laughing. And just let me tell you, this monologue is horrific, horrific. It is the worst monologue in the history of monologues. I appreciate it. I wrote it personally. I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, no, it's supposed to be. And when I first time I read it, I was like, all right, there it is. And, uh, but yeah, our, our, one of our lead actors came out and she absolutely knocked it out of the park and kind of left me speechless in the whole thing. And she did, you know, 
20 takes of it or less wow. than 20 takes of it and it's just every time she just you know she really delivered an incredible performance during the scene and it, it just makes you you know as somebody that had never really made a feature film before uh it, it just takes you back or it, it just knocks you back, I guess, just seeing how talented, you know, these individuals are. And then they get to speak your ridiculous lines and you're like, wow, this is even more incredible. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I can imagine, you know, especially after all that hard work, just seeing it actual actualized like that, I'm sure is really satisfying. Yeah. I, I can yeah. tell you personally, it's it, that, that first day of filming, like when, you know, we had we had like my girlfriend on set who was, you know, doing like script reading just to make sure that we got all of our, our basis cover uh, script supervising. And it was just a very surreal moment to be like, oh, yeah, Ian and I wrote this, you know, a year and a half ago. And now I actually get to see these words come to life by people that can speak them probably way, way better than I would ever dream of being able to speak them. Oh. Well, that is really, really cool. Um, you know, is there any kind of uh, date we should, you know, mark for maybe like a trailer or, you know, I would say we'll, we'll probably be letting you know somewhere okay. around August, I would guess. We'll let you know okay. so you can tell your audience. And, uh, but I would guess somewhere around. So we're almost done filming. Um, and so basically what that means is that we have the arduous task of all of the dialogue editing and the Foley uh, creating the Foley for the film and doing all that, which Gabe and I will be doing ourselves. And then it has to go to the sound editor and it has to go through that entire process and music supervision and all that fun stuff. And then um, once that, you know, once that's done, it gets colored. And so I don't know, hopefully August, like we'll have a trailer for everybody. That would be pretty cool. cool. Yeah. That would be yeah so there's there's several you know there's several more months of of work to be done uh, but at least the main cut of the film is predominantly done and then of course all the credits you can't leave people out so of uh, course obviously. yeah <laughs> well but, after that's complete you know do you guys have any any future projects you're thinking of or any dream projects gabe go for it yeah so uh it was kind of fun with uh ian uh, again, like Ian being a super supportive guy for just like trying to help younger filmmakers. Uh, it was like two weeks. Oh, ago and by the way, can I interrupt for yeah. just one second there, Gabe? If there are interrupter, though, I am, I am, <laughs> I am absolutely. But I just want to say to your audience, if there are young filmmakers out there, you can you can always email me, like or hmm. hit me up. Like I I am more than happy to give any piece of advice that I possibly can. If it helps, great. If it doesn't, you know, it doesn't. But I'm always available for young filmmakers, always. If somebody's trying to make a, fe uh, a, a short film or a feature film and it's the first time they've ever done it and all they have is an iPhone, I can actually walk them through the entire process of how to do it with it, just an iPhone and not even, not even have any sound recording equipment. And I can actually help them make a short film. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. But anyway, please continue, Gabe. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. Uh, so, yeah, basically a, a couple weeks ago, just since we're getting close to wrapping up Punched, uh, Ian was just like, you know what? I really just want to produce the next uh, thing you do. 
And, you know, I, my, my brain has been so focused on punch that I haven't even like, I hadn't even at that point had the, the time to think about what that next project might be. I mean, mm-hmm. again, this whole last year was like shooting Crazy. music videos and like, uh, I, like I just started a, a, a new job with Providence health and services, basically running a cooking show. So like, as oh. far as like my brain, it was, it was very much like just trying to keep on track. But uh, Ian was like, I want to produce the next short film that you make. Uh, I just want you to like essentially write a script and then come over, elevator pitch it to me, have me read the script, and then we'll figure out how to make the thing. So, I mean, it, going back to him helping out young filmmakers, it's just like I'm, I'm in the same exact place as anybody else that could reach out to Ian through, uh, through email. I mean, obviously, I have some personal friendships with him but uh you know it's still like i'm there going through the same processes as a lot of other people and he's really running me through the ringer in a in a really helpful and good way so um i i right before jumping on here i was actually working on the script that i attempt that i will attempt to present to him um for which he knows (laughs) nothing about zero and i don't want to know anything about it yeah That's really cool. It sounds like you guys have a super, super busy couple of months coming up. Um, I don't know if you guys get a lot of time to watch anything, but any film recommendations or anything you've seen that people should check out as well? Oh, I have go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say I have way (laughs) too many. Um, (laughs) Okay. So I mean, let let's start off with like the filmmakers that Ian and I kind of connected over, which is the Coen mm. brothers where like, we're mm. huge Coen brothers fans. Uh, I was going to ask that. Cause I was like, man, I get a big Coen brothers vibe I'm from the So happy so. you say that. Yeah. I'm so happy okay. that you say that. Uh, like, That's great. For me, Miller's crossing is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite mafia movies. Uh, awesome. Then, I mean, Ian doesn't agree with this as much as I do, but uh, like Hayao Miyazaki is probably one of my wow. favorite directors working in Hollywood or working ever, you know, he's not in Hollywood, obviously, but, uh, right. Right. He, I mean, his, his films are just filled with such wonderment. And like, I love how he approaches a story, basically putting his characters in the eyes of like whoever the audience is, where it's like, you know, the first 15 minutes of any one of his movies is like, let me give you a character that is being, uh, put into this new world that they know nothing about. Almost like us, the audience is being put into this world that we know nothing about. Right. And then just how, how do they respond? And it's usually like they respond, like if they're, they're a child, for example, like they come off with the innocence of a child and morally they just go about the, the proper moral decisions, which is really easy to connect with. So, I mean, I would just say go through all of Miyazaki's collections. Uh, and then yeah, Coen brothers, uh, what, what is something that we might've seen recently, uh, to come out Ian, do you have any ideas? Oh, tenant for sure. Yeah. $300 million, $300 million for that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, you should definitely yeah. definitely I, take I, a look I, at Tenet. Yeah, and definitely not. Don't waste your time. <laughs> um, I, I just I can't see spending three hundred million dollars for a okay. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm sorry. It's a it's a real. I mean, dude, Nolan is one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. But I'm just like, really, three hundred million for that? Okay, sure. I think you know how many for the plane crashing scene. Honestly, I just think it's like. I just get I get tired of three hundred million dollar movies that don't actually do anything. 
Right. Like they just sort of like it's great entertainment, and who doesn't love popcorn? I mean, I'm a Trekkie. I love popcorn. Like Star Trek, <laughs> yeah. Star Trek is 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 absolute popcorn. I love the the TV show Psych. It's absolute popcorn. But right, the truth right. of the matter is, is it's three hundred million dollars. You could literally make three hundred million small feature films for that. Yeah. Literally, think about that. If you gave three hundred million filmmakers one million dollars they could all make a feature film and inside of that i guarantee you you could get at least 10 brilliant beautiful small films yeah right. i mean like look at the joker for example like yeah. todd todd phillips he was given a very very small budget to to make that movie uh just with after all of the backlash you know the dc cinematic universe had gone through that mm -hmm. um the thought of making taxi driver but in you know the dc universe was a really kind of bizarre thing so they gave him you know probably like two million dollars but for films of this generation it's just like in insanely small amount of money um and, and don't get me wrong i love christopher nolan i think he's a genius you yeah. know i just that things like that i'm just sort of like okay you know i'm good well <laughs> i'm yeah, good i mean for like um memento like that he didn't have yes, all the six money million. in the world yeah like six million dollars in fact go back yeah. and watch following if you want to watch a really good like a great christopher nolan movie go find following it's a okay. 55 60 minutes film it's his first one he made it for six thousand dollars shot it on film shot it pretty much by himself with a with a little bit of help here and there and basically that's the movie that got him the money for memento huh yeah okay and, and he made it for six grand with on film which is unheard of like i can make a feature film for six thousand dollars but i have digital right <laughs> yeah. like film you got to process everything basically he paid for processing wow yeah so i'm just saying like <laughs> you don't need 300 million dollars to make an amazingly incredible film right like he did it. He already proved it. He could do it for six thousand. So it's like, it's just you got to have a script and you got to have a vision. You got yeah. Have and is quantum mechanics thing. really that important? Do we really need to have movies every single Christopher Nolan movie about quantum mechanics? Really? Yeah, it started to get a bit excessive for me. Uh, See, you know, yes, like Interstellar and things like that. I just was kind of. But that's I, the I point. I liked Tenet Interstellar. Myself. Like right. I just didn't oh, need like it. And Inception. I mean, basically, right. if you start Inception's looking great. at the repetitive cycles of everything and the how everything breaks down to the smallest uh, degree and all this stuff, it's like and the and multiverses and things like that. I mean, to a degree, they're all kind of the same movie. I right. mean, ev everybody loved Inception also because it like came out right after he did the Dark Knight trilogy or right. what? Did he, great yeah, he movie. Did that right after the Dark Knight. And then he did Inception and then went into The Dark Knight Rises. But anyways, yeah. um, he, he would, you know, The Dark Knight was very just like grounded in reality. And it was mm -hmm. like, so it's very interesting to see that contrast of him being like, okay, now let's get as wacky as Christopher Nolan can get uh, in regards to the his following features. I mean, but no, I mean, he's got incredible vision. Uh, oh, film, dude, it's amazing. Like, incredible and, and, and an amazingly great dresser oh my god yeah <laughs> I, w I wish i had a a fingernail clipping of the ability to dress as well as that man does holy cow yeah. 
Is there is there a bad picture of Christopher Nolan anywhere? Like, did that, that does that guy wake up looking like that? Holy yeah. crap! I think they've they've whitewashed. You know the the pictures of him in a wife beater with coffee stains. I don't, <laughs> I don't think those are anywhere. Else. <laughs> <laughs> they just replaced it with pictures of me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so well, all right, well, yeah. thank you so much, guys, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thanks um, for having us. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, we, you know, where should we, where should our listeners go follow you guys? Uh, I would just Dave, say, you go, know, all the addresses. Yeah. I would just go, go say, go follow us at punched after the fact. And if you're interested in, uh, following any of our personal ventures, like we are both also on Instagram, you can either find us through our channel or through uh, punched after the facts, Instagram, or you can look up me personally at G Lakey video, uh, uh, G L A K E Y v-i-d-e-o or uh, i think ian is just ian s fowler yep and uh you can see pictures of my dog awesome I yeah like dogs, if you so. want to follow the most boring human being on the face of the planet yeah it would be me same here uh, all right guys thank you so much thank you thank, thank you. you all right thank you for listening to the pedestrian at best podcast if you like the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or anywhere else that you may be listening. You can add us on Twitter, just search at Pedestrian, or you can add us on Instagram, just search Pedestrian at Best Podcast. We hope you are doing well, and thanks for listening.